Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Schutte. I'm joined by my fellow editors, Russ Steinberg and Kyle Cajero. Uh, we're coming to you live from Sunday night after a very busy weekend um, of mid-major college basketball. We had some regular seasons end. We've had some tournaments um, get going and get some games under the belt. We had four bits over the weekend, I think. Um, we should probably start with the teams that are actually going to be in the NCAA tournament. Um, the first team to earn an automatic bid was Murray State. They uh, avenged a regular season loss against Belmont on Saturday. Um, uh, Russ, we'll start with you. What was your major takeaway from um, Murray State getting the win and kind of their long-term outlook? I don't know if you heard, but this John Morant guy is pretty good. Um. My, I, I think my big takeaway, and I, I know a lot of people have actually said this, so I'm not unique at all here, but it's that it seems like Belmont this season had the better team, but last mm-hmm. night Murray State had the better player. And you you could just see it. And, and, and John Morant didn't have his best game, by the way, and I say that despite you know his 36 points. Pretty um, But he only night. had three assists. Yeah, ho-hum night of 36 points, uh, 13 of 25 shooting. Played the whole game, by the way. Uh, so did Jack Buchanan. Uh, so that's interesting to note. But 36.7 rebounds, uh, seven turnovers, three assists, although one of those assists came on a beautiful pass to Tevin Brown, who hit what was really the clincher uh, three in the final minutes. Uh, he He just does what his team needs on any given night. And, you know, Murray State outscored Belmont 51-34 in the second half. Um, kind of ran away with it in the end for a 12-point win. Uh, Belmont's going to have to sweat it out now on the bubble. It sounds like they're probably on the wrong side of it, uh, which is unfortunate because I think Belmont's a really good team. But on the other hand, we're going to get to see John Morant play in the NCAA tournament. And I think we were starting to worry a little bit yesterday that maybe we wouldn't get to see some of the really big names from the mid-major world play in the tournament. Chris Clemens and Mike Dom have both uh, been relegated to the NIT, but thankfully we will see Ja. Yeah, I I think Murray State just played a really, really good game. They kind of took away what Belmont does best, um, held them to 7 of 32 um, from behind the arc, um, kept Dylan Windler in check. Um, for the most part, he got 17, but it was just one of seven from deep. Um, yeah, Murray State's going to be a really popular upset pick, not just because of Jaw, but I think they've got a, a really good team all around. You mentioned um, Shaq Buchanan, who I think doesn't get a, enough credit for being kind of a really good glue guy and a really good defender. Um, Tevin Brown had a good night uh, Saturday, and then um, – Obviously, they, they made the tournament last year, so this is a team that has you know experience in this situation. Yeah, where do we think they're going to fall? Like 13, 14 seed? I think they were projected like to be anywhere from the like the 11 to 13 range. I'm going to pull up bracket real quick, but yeah. Yeah, they're at 12. All right. So that, that feels right. Um. We, we've harped on it a lot um, regarding Belmont's at-large case. Um, Russ, you said you think they're on the wrong side of the bubble. 
I I think so. Unfortunately, there's just not a whole lot that they could uh, point to in terms of great wins on their schedule. Um, let me pull up their resume right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the two wins over Lipscomb were nice. Lipscomb, of course, lost in their championship games. They're not going to be in the tournament. UCLA, obviously, you know, woefully underperformed. So did Western Kentucky. I mean, the, the lack of losses is really nice. But if you look at their resume, their only win over um, an NCAA tournament team is against Murray State back in January. So with that, I don't think they're going to have enough to get in. It helps that I think the, the net likes them. They're okay. They're ahead of some other bubble teams uh, in Ken Palm. So that's nice. We'll see how much of a of an effect that has. But I, I think w- when it comes down to Belmont or maybe a power conference team um, that maybe finished middle of the pack, I, I think that power conference team is just going to have more um, on their resume, unfortunately. Yeah, and they're kind of a victim of the calendar just because their resume is set in stone. Like, they are what they are, and there's right. other teams on the bubble that are going to have um, – you know, opportunities moving forward as they get into their um, conference tournaments. You brought up Lipscomb and they lost earlier today in what was a really, really entertaining game um, between them and Liberty. Uh, Liberty ultimately ended up winning by six in Nashville. They, they probably have no shot at that large, correct? Like they're already on the fringe and there's, I think there's just too many teams in front of them in the pecking order. I th- their best win is against the TCU. And then in some order, you know, Vermont and SMU uh, was swept to Belmont. Um, and yeah, I, I really don't think that they're going to have a chance to get in, which is unfortunate because Lipscomb is a very fun team to watch um, just from like an aesthetic standpoint. Um, but yeah, again, another victim, almost like what Chris said, another victim of the calendar just because they played early. Um, and a lot of teams are going to, you know, pass them up i guess on i mean in the pecking order as well sorry about that the 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 loss to florida gulf coast on february 20th really killed them that i mean you could look at any of their other losses and say that those aren't bad but losing to a sub 220 team in ken palm kind of ends the conversation right there uh which is unfortunate that they have beaten as you said, Kyle, TCU and Vermont, who could both end up being tournament teams. So that's great. Um, but also, you know, if you put them up against, say, Belmont, say one of them ends up being, you know, uh, under consideration for an at-large bid, well, Belmont swept them. So I think you probably have to put Belmont ahead of them in the pecking order. And like I said earlier, I think Belmont's also on the outside looking in. Um, not to harp on Lipscomb, um, as far as Liberty, do we think they're going to fall somewhere similar to Murray State, probably in that 12 to 13 range? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably a safe bet. Uh, Liberty, let's see, they lost, again, they lost to North Florida, not a great loss. Um, looking at good wins they have, they also, you know, they, they beat UCLA, they won at Lipscomb. Uh, decent win against Kent State, decent win against Georgia State. They they could probably be on, on the 12-13 line, I, th- I think. Uh, probably wouldn't be as trendy of an upset pick as 
Murray State will be, but that's mostly just because Murray State has the uh, NBA player that everybody knows about. Um, but it, it, that'll be interesting to watch. They they do play at uh, an absurdly slow Virginia pace. <laughs> they play Virginia ball, which could work in their favor or against them, depending. Like it, you know, if they hey. get off to a hot start, yeah, yeah. If they, if they get off to a hot start, build a lead. You know, that could certainly help them if uh, the power conference team they're facing starts to get going late. But yeah, I, th- I think you're about right. 13 seed is probably smart. We have anything else on the A sign or we do want to move on to uh, the NMTC. Let's talk about the NMTC. The NMTC uh, for the uninformed, which if you're not informed at this point, shame on you is the never made the turn club. That's uh, a long, long standing, um, what do you call it? a series, a, chronologue of um ncaa tournament or ncaa schools that have never made the tournament and we have our first team to break out of it this year it's the running bulldogs of gardner webb um who made it out of the big south after going through a gauntlet of taking out campbell and chris clemens on the road and then going to radford and winning a game there I did watch that game, um, believe it or not. And DJ Laster had an absolute, like, <laughs> one hell of a night. Um, it was 32 points, 14 of 17 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. And he only averages about 13 points a game. So he was really doing it all. And then I I hope I'll get the pronunciation of his name right. But um, as, it, as it loads... Um, David Efianyi. Yes, yeah, David Efianyi or Efian. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> my bad. Um, but he hit some pretty crucial free throws down the stretch. I think he scored all of his points in the second half. And you know, just to see, I this was the first Gardner Webb game I've seen all year. I'm just gonna go out <laughs> and say it. I I know. It, it, surprisingly, no. I have not kept Shame up with the you. Big South. Um, but I, I think it was really exciting to see them really pull away towards the end. Um, they responded when Radford kind of came back, um, which was something that teams that have played Radford haven't historically done. Um, but yeah, congrats to them. That was it was a really fun game to watch. Yeah, they they really kind of controlled it, you know, from start to finish. Like you said, they kind of answered every run that Radford threw at them. Um, and then ultimately ended up winning by double digits on the road, which, you know, especially in a, a championship game scenario, that's, that's no small task. Yeah. I kind of want to throw this out there about Gardner Webb because they're not, I mean, they were the four seed in the big South tournament. Like we're not looking at a team like Murray state that could be a trendy upset pick. That's not what Gardner Webb is. Like they're going to be a 15 or a 16, um, but they won this year at Georgia Tech and at Wake Forest. And then in the conference tournament, won on the home court of the one seed against the one seed and then beat the two seed on the two seeds home court. So this team, you know, they might be overmatched in their first round game, but if they lose, it won't be because they're scared. It won't be because the stage is too big for them. They've already won and already succeeded in hostile environments before. And I think that's going to bode well for them, whoever they draw. They also took Furman to overtime back when they were good. Yeah. So and they they hung moderately close with VCU. So yeah, this team can play. This is they have like 
taking a two seed down to like the under four, like media timeout within like a couple possessions and getting everybody to sweat, like written all over them. Yeah, I could see that. Um, the last bid that was handed out uh, this weekend probably came in one of the craziest games <laughs> that we've that we've had so far. Arch Madness was something else. <laughs> um, Bradley came back from what was it, eighteen down, eighteen in the second half at one point. Yeah, they scored fifteen points in the first half. <laughs> God, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it was bad. If we want to talk about plague ball, that was it. <laughs> yeah, that that game was terrible. Yeah, so so Bradley comes back against Northern Iowa. I think the last like minute or two took approximately forty five real time minutes. Just we love those reviews. We love those reviews, don't we, folks? They went to the monitor. What was it, like? Was it four times that they they were reviewing something? That sounds right. Uh, like, and, think, and they weren't quick reviews. Either. No, the, the, are they ever quick reviews? No. So, like, this is that's something I see that gets talked about, like on Twitter. Like, how do you like solve that? Is it just to place a timer on the the reviews? I think it has to be because the the rule, as it stands, is if you can't the the ruling on the floor will stand unless there's incontrovertible evidence otherwise. And if you don't settle on that within a minute or whatever you want, whatever you want the time limit to be, then it's not irrefutable. Go with what you have on the, on the floor. Uh, It won't decrease the frequency of reviews, but it will at least keep us from sitting there doing nothing for five minutes at a time, which, which is just terrible. It saps the energy out of the game, Mm -hmm. out of what is, usually a very exciting game down the stretch. And it's just, it's a bad look for the sport. And nobody wants that. And we're going to see it now in the NCAA tournament because you're going to have a number of close games. You're going to have more eyeballs on these games than you would have at any other point in the year. And I guarantee that it's going to be a major complaint among people who just tune in in March. And that's not how you get them to start watching in November and December. Yeah, and I think that's, you hit the nail on the head of what, the NCAA's biggest fear should be is that that these reviews just completely take out all rhythm and excitement from these games. And, you know, for the casual viewer who only turns in for March Madness, like that might get them to turn it off. Like if, if they're going to be spending like the best part of the game watching the back of the zebras, like that's, that's not great for the sport. What, what was great. (laughs) What was great was that final possession and the madness that ensued, and then Bradley pulling off the upset. I enjoyed watching that. Yeah, it was it was a weird game. All that was the their first uh, trip to the NCAA tournament since two thousand six when they made the the uh, Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, since since the Brad Pitt game, <laughs> the Brad Pitt game. Yep, yeah, they beat Pittsburgh in the round of thirty two. Um, should we talk at all about Loyola just because they've been such a big story, you know, for the last couple of years and they got bounced by, um, by Bradley. Yeah. I think it's, this will also be a good opportunity to push Harry's thing because that's going to go live on mm-hmm. Monday. Um, and it will actually, I believe it's going to end up on, uh, the dot com layout as well. So it'll hit a lot more eyeballs. 
Um, yeah. So the the Loyola, yeah, <laughs> the Loyola run came to an end. A loss to Bradley. They were the one seed in the tournament, and now you know Loyola is certainly not anywhere near the at large discussion. So they're going to be sent to the NIT, and that's where Clayton Custer and Marcus Towns are going to have to finish out their careers. Unfortunately, um, I think something that's that's in Harry's piece that you're going to want to read if you know if if you haven't already is that the way that Porter Moser put this team together, I'm not, I wouldn't say it's how everyone else in the Valley is modeling their teams, but it's something that they've taken notice of. And it's, I, I don't remember what the mantra was exactly, but it's basically get old quick, um, come up with a bunch of experienced guys who have played together for a long time who buy into the team concept and there's a whole lot of coach speak in this. So excuse me. Um, but w- when you say like play for each other, like Porter Moser often does, it means, you know, more than just the cliche, it means you spread the floor offensively. You, you know, they lead the, they're among the leaders in the nation in assists. Uh, they run a very disciplined offense. And I think all of that really, um, it is a testament to the program that he's built, and it's going to be something that, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next year as, you know, the, the crop of players that really brought that team to the Final Four have moved on. We'll see who else Mosier could bring in. Obviously, he's elevated that program to a level that it hasn't been in quite some time. They play, you know, in a pretty good area to recruit in, in Chicago. They're they have the name recognition. They now have the coach that people know. Um, they play in the Missouri Valley, obviously. Often regarded as one of the top mid-major leagues, even if it hasn't been the last couple of years. So it will be interesting to see how Mosier keeps this going. Yeah, I think it. Like my biggest takeaway from that is just how hard it is to sustain you know, success year after year at this level, especially in a conference like the Missouri Valley that is traditionally one of the better mid-major conferences. And there's so much, you know, competition year in and year out. Basically it, you know, it, it just speaks to how difficult it is to continue success at this level. Um, you know, Loyola had to, I mean, as, as we've talked about before in the podcast, in order for Loyola to get to the final four, like they had to go on this kind of arch madness run that they did last year. Um, you know, they, they were a bubble team. They are, I mean, I doubt they were even on the bubble last year. Um, and so to repeat that success this year, you know, obviously probably was a little bit high expectations just to like, because final four births don't happen every day. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. And after the jump, we're going to talk about some of the other, uh, major happenings from the weekend. All right, and we're back here on the Mid-Major Madness podcast. We're talking conference tournaments, March Madness, all the good stuff. Um, I'm going to throw out a thought. Are we on track for the best NIT field of mid-majors ever? Yes, and I was going to tweet that earlier today, but I realized I would probably get killed for it. (laughs) Um, But... You know, you're already going to have Chris Clemens and Mike Dom in there. You're probably now going to have Furman, uh, assuming Wofford wins 
in the SoCon Championship game, you're probably going to have Greensboro as well. Like there are several teams on here or on, on the board in the NIT that could make it to Madison Square Garden. Uh, something kind of funny I thought of earlier today is think about if you're, say, Alabama, like a bubble team, you're either going to be, you know, headed to Dayton or you'll be a one seat in the NIT. Think about miss, missing out on the tournament, trying to get amped up to play in the NIT uh, after, you know, something after missing out on the NCAA tournament, which is already a struggle. And then you see you have to face Chris Clemens in the first round. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that's why we see like mid-majors usually do. Like I have no statistical evidence to back this up without. There's always a couple every year. Like just like because they like give more of a shit than the power five team does. Like, right. Like that can, that can get you a, a game or two. And you know, like if you have a dude like Chris Clemens, who I think they should just let him try to score as much as he possibly can to see how much he can boost up his, his scoring numbers for his career. Yeah. Why the hell not? Um, really? Yeah. I was, I think I sent out a tweet. Uh, the other day, I can't remember if it was from my personal or from the site. Just take a team of Chris Clemens, Mike Dom, and three random players from the country and let them go to date and like play their way into the tournament. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, as far as other tournaments that have been going on, the SoCon um, is set up for its championship, and that'll be is that Monday night, correct? I know we talked about this before, but I. Already forgot. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a Monday night. Yeah, so we've got a matchup between Wofford and Greensboro. Um, possibly a chance for two bid SoCon. I think Wofford is probably safely in at this point. We don't need to relitigate their their resume. Um, Greensboro had to come back against uh, Furman in the second half, and and we've seen Greensboro is a team that's you know they've been on the national radar a little bit last year, but. Wofford's really had their number this year. Um, we, there's the mantra that always goes around. It's hard to beat a team three times. Uh, it's false. That's false. <laughs> it's well, it, it it is hard to beat a team three times, but it's a lot easier if you've already won the first two. <laughs> yeah. And if you've shown that you are significantly better in those games, um, do, do we think Wofford or is Wofford going to, be the lone SoCon bid, or does Greensboro have a chance? Of course they have a chance, but is is, is Wofford going to do it? I think this is Wofford's time. Uh, Wofford has been um, obviously far and away the best team in this conference all year long, and you know they, they've been just smacking opponents around, especially end of the regular season. Uh, I know they only won by nine today against East Tennessee State, but For that, they beat VMI by 27, Samford by 29, Chattanooga by 26. The list kind of goes on and on. As you said, they beat Greensboro by 30 last time they played. Like, Wofford's been waiting for a real challenge, and I don't think necessarily this game will bring that, but it will bring the brightest lights that they've played under all season, um, or at least since they played at Kansas back in December. So I, I think this will really be kind of their moment to show what they could do on the national stage. Uh, and I just, I don't see them losing it. Uh, they have been 
per pretty much every metric that there is a top 25 team this season. They're one of the best and most efficient offenses in the country. Uh, This, this train is rolling and I don't think it's going to stop until they get smacked by a one seed in the second round of the tournament. (laughs) For as much like, and for as much spotlight as their offense gets, I feel like their defense should kind of get some, I get, I guess, get some attention as well. Um, You know, we're, if we're talking about the rematch tomorrow or the, I guess the third part in the series against UNC Greensboro, um, you know, they, they held them to 43 points in the first meeting. Um, been really just, you know, clamping down on that. And too, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule and, you know, how much they've held points or how badly they've, I guess, put the clamps down on other teams. And I feel like they're going to be a wrecking ball tomorrow as well. Yeah. It, it seems like it's a team on a mission and, when when they have the look like in their eyes, I think they're going to be pretty tough to stop. Um, another championship game that will be taking place on Monday night is the MAC, uh, featuring Iona and the winner of Canisius and Monmouth. And I don't believe that game has gone final. Correct. It's it, what difference does it make? Like yeah. by the time this is posted, the game will Anyways. be long over. <laughs> Uh, by the time you're listening to this, Iona will be matched up with either um, Canisius or Monmouth. Or Iona will have won. <laughs> or Iona will have won, depending on when you actually listen to this. Um, Tim Clewis has <laughs> really put a stranglehold on the MAC tournament here in the last, what is it, three, four years? Like, Yeah. Like what what is it about Iona that makes them so good in in this particular tournament? Like I don't pay all that close attention to the MAC since I'm not an East Coaster. I mean, the, the, it's such a boring like says a whole lot of nothing answer. But Tim Clouse gets his teams to kind of peak at the right time, mm-hmm. and you see it again this year. They came into the tournament on a seven game winning streak. Uh, handled Sienna pretty easily on their home court today. Uh, you know, if, if there were people who weren't picking Iona to win this tournament, and I don't know why. Like, I don't know why you would trust Ryder or, or somebody else when it's Iona who has owned this tournament the last few years. And th- they've always had a talented team. They've always, they always seem to have a pretty experienced team. And this year is no different. A lot of juniors and seniors uh, led by their senior uh, Ricky McGill. Um, they, they just got it rolling like they always do at, at exactly the right time. Um, and their opponent tomorrow is going to be either Canisius, who they beat by 18, or Monmouth, who they beat by 19 and then lost to by two a little bit later. Like it's, it's a game that you know they could win, and I think you're insane if you pick them to lose it. Yeah, I, uh, I think I picked Sienna in the Jerome, which... In retrospect, I wish I wouldn't have. I don't think I've gotten a single Jerome pick right so far. I, I think I think the rule with the Mac is that is kind of like what the Kansas rule was, which is you pick Kansas to win the Big Twelve until they don't. Of course, this year they finally didn't. But I will pick Iona to win the Mac tournament until they don't. Yeah, that's that's why you make the big bucks. You want to do a waves minute? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh yeah, do a waves minute. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to quickly prep for this Colby, whenever. Colby Ross is it, baby. 
He he is it. Okay, that's where I'm going to start. Uh, Kobe Rock. <laughs> um, and and please do not look up where I went to school or who gave me my degree. But I think Kobe Ross is probably one of the best point guards in America. Um, by almost any metric, watch him play any of the games. He's so great at not only controlling the tempo um, and changing the pace, like every point guard like really has to do. Um, he just knows where his like he knows where his guys are at on the floor. I know that's again like talk talking about coach speak or like really say nothing answers, but Colby's like maybe six one in shoes. Um, he's not the most athletically kind of impressive guy, um, but he just makes some really veteran reads on the like on the court, and he's only a sophomore as well. Um, I would say like yesterday against San Francisco, I haven't had that much fun watching a game um, in a while. Uh, it's it, it's been a long time coming. Um, just between Colby Ross doing Colby Ross things, Kessler Edwards, who is um, who made the WCC All Freshman Team this year, you know, stepping out, hitting threes, doing work on on the inside, and then his older brother Cameron as well. Uh, shout out to him for playing through the game with a, a very apparent foot injury that he's kind of been, um, he's been working through all of Vegas. Um, you know, he was getting on the board really early. He made a transition three, which, you know, <laughs> for back when, back when Marty Wilson recruited him, he probably wasn't recruited to make transition threes and stuff, but it really speaks to how much Lorenzo Romar has changed the offense where, you know, some of these guys, he's like stretch forwards that, didn't really have a jumper are now suddenly able to step out and hit threes. And, you know, it really showed against San Francisco. I mean, they shot 50% from beyond the arc and San Francisco is one of the better defensive teams, if, you know, in mid major spheres. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's, it's, it's exciting stuff, but unfortunately it will all come to an end against Gonzaga um, as it always has. I think Gonzaga has beaten Pepperdine 36 times in a row. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Dating back to the, the West Coast Conference Championship back in 2002 when Dan Dickow played. Um, Friend of the site, Dan so Dickow. I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, it's... I think Pepperdine's due. <laughs> and knowing my luck, they would do it when I'm no longer covering them for my student newspaper. I guess, you know, that's, I would not be surprised at all, but if it does happen, I am, you will, you will not hear the end of it from me, (laughs) but it it won't though. Not with that attitude. (laughs) No, I think like for a school like Pepperdine that has struggled to really like kind of put together like a good season, I think like this is the type of run that can get, uh, it can like build some excitement for you know the following seasons oh for sure and you know just looking at the roster they only have two seniors um that will graduate this year and most of the guys that they play are freshmen and sophomores um you know there was it, another weird thing about this run that they've had is they've they've knocked off some of the more experienced teams in Loyola and um in San Francisco while playing anywhere from like three to four freshmen on the floor at any given time. So, you know, I feel like this run will really help build excitement over in Malibu and hopefully it'll be something for these 
young guys to really hang their hats on as they move forward. What uh, what was it like going to school in Malibu? Um, you know, it was <laughs> it was pretty miserable. Not gonna lie, um, kind of boring. How? I'm kidding. It was it was honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly uh like the best and worst four years of my life all rolled into one all the college cliches are true um unfortunately i was i was an introverted little idiot and i didn't like going outside and leaving my apartment so like the last my last semester i just kind of like finally really got out of my shell and really soaked in the atmosphere for as long as i could before i got sent up here for witness protection so it was it you know sometimes it really you get jaded to it but it's phenomenal you want to remind the listeners where you are now oh i'm in a i'm in sandpoint idaho that's <laughs> the buzz around the big sky up there um i shoot i know idaho picked up their first one recently and i think they all, i think they picked up their second as well are, are they the team to beat i don't know the big sky tournament Oh, it's, it's either for, I think it's either Weber state or Montana, you know, just cause Weber state has Jared Harden. They could ride the hot hand. Um, and Montana, if they could get their act together, you know, they should, they should win it. Um, another tournament that uh, I'm really looking forward to, and I think it's going to be one of the most entertaining ones is the Ivy league. Um, it, it took a while or it took a little bit of, chaos to get there but ultimately the the top four teams made it and it ended up being harvard yale princeton and penn just like i think everybody would have guessed at the beginning of the season um this takes place like yale is hosting this tournament but is yale the team to beat i mean i think we're headed toward a harvard yale championship game anyway and uh, Harvard swept Yale in the regular season. Uh, Bryce Aiken is playing as well as anybody in that conference, playing his best at the right time. I think they are the team to beat. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Weird stuff happens, and Harvard did not play well this weekend. Like they lost. Uh, who did they lose to? Cornell. Cornell. Yeah, yeah, Cornell on Friday, and then needed overtime to beat Columbia yesterday and that's a bad Columbia team on the road so I don't know and they're matched up with Penn here in the semis and Ken Palm actually has Penn as a one-point favorite in that game so it's going to be fun to watch I really don't know what to expect I think I guess you could make the argument that any of those four teams could come out of there yeah yeah I wouldn't be surprised with any of them I think Harvard's one of those teams that's kind of guilty of playing to the level of yes. the competition. Um, and, you know, if they decide to play to their level of their competition, which is good competition, then Harvard should be fine. But, of course, that's all theoretical. I'm kind of sad, uh, sad that Brown didn't make it. Yeah, we all know why, too. Why? Why you're sad that Brown didn't make it? Cal Barash David. Yeah, am I sad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, former former mid mid major madness scribe in front of the site, Cal Barash David. No, I was thinking of Desmond Cambridge. 
yeah, I mean, he's a sophomore. He'll he'll get his chance. Um, Browns a program on the rise. They won 19 games this year, where one went away from winning 20 games for the first time in school history. That's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> are, they, are they the last? Um, I think they are the last because the last one Colgate won 20, and they were the other. Yeah, do I have to review Dartmouth's history again? <laughs> yeah, time for the Dartmouth minute. It's been a couple of weeks since we. Yeah, that's that's because they uh, have not won a game since February 9th. Well, that'll do it. Um, yep. So their season is over. Sticking on the East Coast, um, a tournament that I think is going to have a lot of eyes, uh, both from the major level, some national folks are going to eye on it. Both teams are definitely getting attention to it. Uh, the Atlantic 10. Russ, I believe you're going to be there correct or for at least some of it <laughs> yes i i will be there all week long um except for the times when i'm at the big east but thankfully i think th- they have it scheduled so there's not a whole lot of overlap which is good i'll i'll be at the big east all day thursday so i'll miss that day um but i plan on being at barclays center wednesday friday saturday and sunday this this is a one bit league unless VCU loses, right? I yeah, I, I think so. There's, I I don't think I guess Dayton is sort of like on the fringe of the bubble, um, but you have to keep in mind that at, at this point they would also presumably take another loss for them to be a bubble team because if they don't, then they're the automatic qualifier. So I I don't think there's enough for them to play their way in. They're also on the side of the bracket opposite VCU. So they can't even get what would be the best win available in the conference. Um, The VCU's uh, presumed semifinal matchup would be with a red hot St. Bonaventure team. It's actually gotten. Yeah. Like they're playing really well. Uh, But of course they're so far, they're 16 and 15 overall. So like, that's not a team that's, you know, going to be in the running, but they've only lost once uh, since February 9th. And that was, to Davidson. So they're playing their best basketball. It'll be fun to watch them see how they compete against VCU if they make it to that game. But I I think the road is clear for VCU to kind of waltz to the title game and face, I would expect either Dayton or Davidson in the championship. And that will, that could determine the fate of one bubble team, because Mm -hmm. if Dayton or Davidson wins that, then someone's getting knocked off. Yeah. Could, Could someone make an argument for a VCU at large? I'm looking at their resume now, and I think you could. VCU is safe. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I yeah. think they're they're in. Yeah. The, the the only way the A10 is a multi-bid league is if VCU loses. Yeah, and I, I might have phrased the original question poorly. Oh, I'm definitely going to be paying attention to this one because I am one of those people who's in the lucky position of having to sweat out watching these <laughs> one-bid leagues <laughs> on the – on the lookout for bid stealers and this past weekend was not great for, <laughs> for all of the other bubble results I was paying attention, uh, attention to. So hoping for, but, but your big week is, is this coming week though? Because yeah. I, I think as, as an Indiana fan, you're probably safe from Belmont. Yeah. You're almost definitely safe from Lipscomb. Um, it's the, but it's the TCUs, the Clemson, the Alabamas. Yeah. Um, and the, the tournament's, 
for those fans to be paying attention to and, and for you as well would be the Mountain West mm-hmm. if a team not named Nevada or Utah State wins it. Um, obviously, the West Coast Conference, if Gonzaga somehow loses. Uh, the A-10. Is there anyone else? I think that those might be the three. Uh, SoCon tomorrow. Oh, and the Mac. Mac yes. The Mac, yeah. The SoCon tomorrow and the Mac if Buffalo loses. Buff- Buffalo's been on a tear lately, too. They, they're really starting to yeah. hit their stride. Um, yeah, and, and they kind of went through a little bit of a lull midseason. I feel like people stopped talking about them after those losses to Northern Illinois and Bowling Green. Uh, but they haven't lost since then. And they've beaten some pretty good Mac teams in that time, including a really good win at a Toledo team that I I think probably deserves more of a look than it's going to get um, in terms of tournament consideration. It's not going to be on the bubble, but I think it deserves a look. Yeah, I think uh, Templon posted something that um, just based on like some of their metrics is that they're probably in a good spot to um, get a pretty good bid in the uh, NIT if they don't uh, win the MAC tournament. Um, yeah. Are there any other tournaments that, that kind of have major implications towards the the bigger picture of the NCAA tournament? Is the Mountain West really the only other, only other one that I think a lot of people are going to be keeping their eye on? Yeah, I, I think that's the big one. Um, just looking now, I, I don't like, I don't think in conference USA, I don't think old dominion really has an at large case, mm-hmm. especially since they lost their last two games that kind of gets rid of any sort of discussion that you would have had around that, even though they have beaten VCU and Syracuse. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. So what do we think Utah state needs to get in do they just need to make the championship game you think that oh i i think does enough i think they're in a pretty good position regardless um what's the bracket uh they would play the winner of new mexico and wyoming and then if they advance they would play fresno state in the semis and then if they, presumably nevada in the championship i think if they get to the semis they're fine uh they might even be fine if they lose in the first round i think that the uh the nevada win did enough for them because their other metrics are so good. And we, we talked about this on that podcast before the, uh, before the Nevada game, like all the metrics are saying they're great, but we haven't seen it reflected in their quality wins yet. Well, they got that with Nevada. Um, so I think they've pretty much checked all the boxes. I think they're in a really good spot. Go Aggies. I hope we don't see them in Dayton. <laughs> yeah, but, Right now, uh, Bracket Matrix has them projected as the best 10 seed. So that pretty much means, like, let, let's say that ends up being the case. Like, they could take a first-round loss in the Mountain West Tournament and still be fine. Yeah. Who? Uh, just curious, who do they have? Is, who's Bracket Matrix have as the last four in? I haven't checked it. Uh, Belmont, Creighton, or no, no, no. That's the first four out, my bad. <laughs> uh, last four at large appears to be uh, in order NC State, Arizona State, Clemson, and Temple. Yuck. Uh, Indiana is the third team out. Belmont is the first team out. Interesting. Toledo, by the way, in the next four out. Yeah, they've kind of just like hung around there. Yeah. I'm kind of sad that Furman's probably not going to get much of a look since they lost to Greensboro today. 
Yeah, pro- probably not. Um, if they do end up getting a look, I think it'll only be because of the uh, the cachet that Villanova carries with it. And because of that, it'll be like, all right, well, let's... I mean, Furman will be on the board to consider. Like, that's how the, that's how the committee does it. Like, they come up with a huge list of teams that weren't discussion, and I'm pretty sure Furman will be on that list. Uh, but I'm not sure how many rounds they're going to make it. It's, they were they were fun. It was a, one of the more fun teams to watch and stories to keep track of and kind of wish they would have. But I think they, they, they return almost everyone for next year. So that'll be go. that'll be something. Your early. Do they? So. Con- uh, well, they, they lose Rafferty. Yeah. But they bring back Lions. Yeah. And Clay Mounts. I love Clay Mounts. That's a that's a great name. That's why I like him. Clay Mounts. He's a. He's ridiculously inconsistent, but he's good. Sounds like somebody needs to build him up. Yeah. Do you guys get the joke? I I don't. Build up the clay mounds. Uh, oh, very good. Very Mold good. him into a more consistent player. There there it is. Oh, there That's it is. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, this, this is March. This is the best time of year. Um, for us, Kyle, I'm Chris. We will hopefully talk to you again soon. Um, going to be a lot of basketball to watch, a lot to talk about. Make sure you're smashing the subscribe buttons, the review buttons. Follow our podcast Twitter account because we have one of those. Read all the good stuff going up on the site, and we will talk to you again soon. See you.